بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سورة الحجرات حجرات means rooms or apartments and this is referring to the houses of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam the residence of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the house of a person means his privacy his honor the house of a person must be respected and in this surah what we are taught is mainly the respect that we must show to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam the respect that we must show towards one another and of course the respect that we must have towards our lord and this is why the surah is also known as suratul akhlaq the surah of manners because in this surah we are taught what manners we must observe with allah with his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the believers and with people in general and we will notice in the surah the surah begins with ya ayyuhalladhina amanu and this address ya ayyuhalladhina amanu is mentioned over and over again and the commands that are being given are related to akhlaq they are related to good manners because the perfection of iman is indeed with the perfection of good conduct the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that akmalul mu'minina imanan the most complete of believers with respect to iman are those who are most excellent in their character in their conduct the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also said that two characteristics are not found together in a hypocrite good manners and understanding of religion meaning these two qualities are not found in the hypocrite they are found in who in a believer what qualities good manners and understanding of their religion surah al-hujurat is a madni surah and it was revealed in the ninth year after hijra notice surah muhammad surah fath and surah hujurat three madni surahs in a row surah muhammad was revealed right at the beginning of the medinan era it was a new beginning Surah Al-Fath was revealed towards the late middle right when the course changed up until Surah Al-Fath Muslims were facing a lot of hardship after Surah Al-Fath so much good news so much victory so much success and then finally Surah Hujurat towards the end of the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the emphasis is on what on good conduct it's as if this is parting advice parting instruction that is given to the believers this is why it is also said that surah al-hujurat is one of the last surahs to be revealed and what is the emphasis on good conduct respect towards allah respect towards the messenger and respect with one another also we see that in surah al-fath the sahaba are described as ruhama ubaynahum compassionate and merciful towards each other and we see that good conduct is that which is rooted in compassion we cannot be good to somebody unless and until there is compassion and mercy in our hearts in this surah for example one of the etiquette that is taught is do not make fun of each other do not call each other by offensive names when would a person call someone with an offensive name when he's got compassion in his heart no way that means lack of compassion 
So remember that good conduct is rooted in mercy and compassion. And this is why we see that all those matters that contradict mercy, that destroy love, that destroy trust, are forbidden in the surah. And all those matters which improve trust and mercy and love, they are commanded in the surah. So how does the surah begin? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. O you people who believe. O those who believe. O you who believe. Remember, Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said that when Allah addresses you in this way, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, He calls you by your iman, then ar'iha sam'ak. Pay attention. Pay extra attention. Open your ears. Pay attention to what you're hearing. Because Allah is calling you, Ya ayyuhalladina. And He's not just calling you like that, He's calling you by your iman, by your quality of iman. So all you who have believed, la tuqaddimu. Do not put before. Do not put in front of. لا تقدموا قاف دال ميم قدم يقدم تقديم is to put something in front of another. So do not put بين يدي do not put ahead بين يدي before الله ورسوله before Allah and His Messenger. Do not put what before Allah and His Messenger. Do not put who before Allah and His Messenger. Anything and anyone. Do not put yourself before Allah and His Messenger. Do not put anyone else before Allah and His Messenger. Not your word, not your opinion, nothing. Not somebody else's word, somebody else's opinion, no. لا تقدموا بين يدي الله ورسوله Don't stand or walk in front of them. Now of course, this is symbolic. And what is meant is, that do not try to become the leader. Do not try to lead Allah and His Messenger. Rather accept Allah and His Messenger as those who lead. So remain behind as in follow. It is said, فُلَانٌ يَتَقَدَّمُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ إِمَامِهِ That such and such person, he يَتَقَدَّمُ بَيْنَ إِمَامِهِ He goes in front of his imam. Meaning, he doesn't listen to his leader. He does whatever he wants, whatever he pleases. He doesn't follow, rather he follows his own wishes. He doesn't follow instructions, rather he does whatever he wants. Allah tells us over here, لَا تُقَدِّمُوا بَيْنَ يَدَيِ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Don't try to get ahead of Allah and His Messenger. Stay behind, follow and obey. Put your opinion, your statement after that of Allah and His Messenger. So when the command of Allah comes, when the command of the Messenger wasallam comes, then don't ignore it and do whatever you please. No. Your response must be, سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا That we heard and yes, we will obey. وَاتَّقُوا And fear Allah. Fear Allah and be where you are supposed to be. 
And where is it that you're supposed to be? Behind Allah and His Messenger, not in front of them. So fear Allah. In Allah Samirun Alim, indeed Allah is hearing and knowing. He hears what you say. He knows what you do. So be careful. He knows how obedient you are internally and externally. So all you who have believed, be good followers. Do what you are supposed to do. And do what you are commanded to do. Do not try to lead. Rather remain in your position of being led. Like Ibrahim salam, When Allah told him, Aslim, what was his response? Aslamtu, I have surrendered. Don't be like Iblis, who when he was commanded to prostrate, Aba was taqwara. He refused and he was arrogant. And he justified his action with an explanation, with an excuse. He didn't follow. He tried to lead with his reason. So don't be like Iblis. What does this ayah mean? What this ayah means is that do not think that you are more knowledgeable, that you are more wise than Allah and His Messenger. Do not put your words before the words of Allah and His Messenger. Meaning when a statement of Allah comes, when a statement of the Messenger wasallam comes, then accept it and do not contradict it. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu said, لا تقولوا خلاف الكتاب والسنة Do not say anything that contradicts the book of Allah and the sunnah of His Messenger wasallam. Do not put yourself in front of Allah and His Messenger, meaning don't try to lead by action. Don't think that your action is better than the action that Allah has prescribed. So Allah has commanded you to pray, for example, for raka'ah, for dhuhr. Don't pray six thinking that you know better. No. Remain in your position of being led. Who is the leader? Allah, His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So do what you're supposed to. Ittabir wa atir. Follow and obey. This also means that when the command of Allah, when the command of His Messenger comes, don't ignore it. Don't act as if it doesn't exist. Don't live life pretending as if Allah never gave that command. No, follow it. Because Allah gave you that order. And if you're contradicting it with your actions, you're pretending as if Allah never gave that order. And this is the height of disrespect. The height of disrespect. Think about it. You ask your child to do something, and he goes on playing. Would you consider that respectful? Would you consider that respectful? Or would you get angry? You ask somebody who's supposed to take your instructions to do something, and they don't do it. They continue with what they were doing. They pretend, they carry on, as if you never said anything to them. This is the height of disrespect. So when Allah and His Messenger have given you a command, then wake up and follow. Don't live as if you never heard it. Don't act as if you never knew it. لا تقدموا بين يدي الله ورسوله. Sometimes what happens is that the command of Allah is there, and we come up with excuses. No, I can't do it. This is impossible. I will not do it. We contradict it with our actions. We contradict it with our words. This is also not acceptable. We learned that once it was mentioned before a companion, rather a companion he narrated that the Prophet ﷺ said that shyness is all good. Shyness is all good. 
And somebody in that gathering said, but I have heard that there are types of shyness. Alright, and he's going on with his explanation. And that companion got so angry. He said, I am telling you what the Prophet ﷺ said, and you're contradicting it? You're contradicting it? He was extremely angry. La tuqaddimu. Don't put your statement and your understanding or somebody else's statement and their understanding before that of Allah and His Messenger. Do not contradict Allah and His Messenger. What is this ayah teaching us? That in the matter of religion, accept the authority of Allah and His Messenger. Islam, what is Islam? It is submission, it is surrender. What does Islam mean? That you surrender to Allah and His Messenger. And if you are ignoring what Allah has said, and you're following your own wishes, you're following the people of the world, and you're ignoring what Allah has commanded, is that Islam? Is that submission to Allah and His Messenger? That's not submission. That is submission to someone else. That is submission to the trends and the culture and the people of the world. That is not submission to Allah and His Messenger. And please, let us be honest with ourselves. We deceive, we lie to ourselves, we comfort ourselves. And this ayah is very clear. When you're disobeying Allah and His Messenger, don't pretend that you're obeying. You're not obeying. Be honest with yourself. Be truthful to yourself. Don't put yourself before Allah and His Messenger. Accept the authority of Allah. Accept the authority of the Messenger. If you think about it, the essence of Islam is surrendering to Allah. And the essence of kufr is what? Doing what one pleases, ignoring what Allah has said. Ignoring what the Messenger wasallam has said. So la tuqaddimu. And this also teaches us that before doing anything, we must think, what has Allah instructed with regards to this? What has the Messenger wasallam instructed with regards to this? When I am, for example, eating, when I am stepping out of the house, when I am doing a particular work, when I am dressing up, when I'm doing anything, I need to think, what has Allah commanded with regards to this? What has the Messenger ﷺ commanded with regards to this? Am I obeying them or am I disobeying them? In my manner, in my way. The Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Mu'minu kal-jamalil anif. The believer is like a tethered camel. The believer is like who? A tethered camel. حَيْثُ مَنْ قِيدَ إِنْ قَادَ Wherever it is led, it yields. A tethered camel, wherever it is led, the camel complies, it yields, it goes. It doesn't stand stubbornly and say, no, no, I have to think about it. I have to do some research and see what the people of the world have said about this. No. What the other camels say about this. No. What does the camel do? Surrenders to the master. And this is how a believer is. Humble and obedient and submissive. So what does this ayah mean then? Firstly, obey Allah and His Messenger. Accept their authority. When you learn Allah has commanded something, then do it. And when you learn that the Messenger has commanded something, وسلم, then do it. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend as if it doesn't exist. 
as if the command is not there, as if it's not part of religion. It's part of the religion. Accept it, do it, follow it. Allah has commanded. The Messenger وسلم, has commanded. Secondly, what this also means, what this ayah also teaches us, is that do not legislate the religion, rather follow the religion. You're not the authority. Who's the authority? Allah and His Messenger. They tell us how and when we should pray. They tell us how and when we are to give charity. They tell us how and when we are to observe a particular act of worship. Allah legislates the religion. The Messenger ﷺ legislates the religion. And us, what do we do? We follow it. We cannot change it. We cannot alter it to suit our own desires. Correct? So if for example, if some people are very upset that Islam or the Qur'an has a particular attitude towards a certain group of people, and that the Qur'an should be reviewed, should be revised, or the Islamic opinion should be changed concerning this issue, do we have the authority to change it? Do we? We don't. We can't change the law. We can't change the Qur'an. We cannot change the sunnah. What is our job? To take the deen as it is. We cannot alter it to suit our own desires. We cannot change it. And if we change it, then we are doing something other than Islam. That is not Islam. And such an action would be rejected. This is innovation basically. Right? A bid'ah, an innovation. Changing the religion, inventing new things in the religion. This is an innovation and it will be rejected. What is this ayah telling us? Don't try to innovate things in religion. Don't think that you know better. You're more compassionate and you're more understanding and you know human psychology better and you know human weaknesses better. The one who created, doesn't he know? Doesn't Allah know us better than we know ourselves? So could there be a problem with the law that He has given? No. The problem is here. In our understanding. In our intellect. Not in the law of Allah. So don't try to change the law of Allah. Rather change yourselves. The deen of Allah is complete and perfect. So don't try to alter it. Don't innovate things in religion. Remember that innovation, it could be in many ways. One is in aqidah, with regards to beliefs. With regards to beliefs. That for example, a person says, you know what? Allah must be like this and like that. Allah must be like this or like that. And there's no proof of it from the Qur'an or Sunnah. Innovating things about Allah, right? This is innovation with respect to aqidah. We don't have any business, first of all, to come up with these things. Who are we to say things about Allah without knowledge? Right? So don't do that. Secondly, innovation can also be in words. Saying things which are not part of the deen. Legislating certain statements, all right, that they must be said. For example, a certain statement that must be said when a person is eating suhoor. To begin the fast, right? Or when a person is going to begin the salah. Did the Prophet ﷺ teach that? No, he didn't. If he didn't teach it, don't make it up. Don't try to get ahead of the Messenger ﷺ. You think you know better than the Messenger ﷺ? Did he forget to tell you? Did he not know that it was good to say that? If he didn't say it, it means it's not necessary. Don't overstep your bounds. Thirdly, Bid'ah, innovation can also be in actions. 
performing those things that the Prophet ﷺ did not do. For example, the Prophet ﷺ performed tawaf, right? He touched the Kaaba, he kissed the black stone, but he didn't grab the the kiswa of the Kaaba, right? And pull it. No, he didn't do that. So if we think it is very righteous of us to run to the Kaaba and grab the kiswa and cut its pieces and steal them and bring them home, this would be an innovation. We think this is righteous? This is not righteous. So what is the essence, the main message of this ayah? Don't put yourself in front of Allah and His Messenger, meaning understand your position. In the picture, where are you? Are you the leader or the follower? Are you the leader or the follower? Follower. Are you in the position of authority? No, you're not. Who is in the position of authority with regards to religion? It is Allah and His Messenger. So fear Allah and obey. Fear Allah and follow. Now, watch your manners also. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who have believed, لَا تَرْفَعُوا Do not raise. رَفَعَيْنَ رَفَعَ To raise. Do not raise أَصْوَاتَكُمْ Your voices. Plural of the word صوت. Do not raise your voices فَوْقَ Above صَوْتِ النَّبِيِّ The voice of the Prophet wasallam. Do not raise your voice above His. What does this mean? Do not be loud in His presence. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this was in His lifetime. لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي. When you are in the company of the Messenger Sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then don't raise your voice in such a way that you are louder than him. He is the leader. So listen to him. Don't raise your voice pretending like you were the leader. You're not the leader. You're a follower. Accept your position and accept his position. We learned that once Abu Bakr anhu and Umar anhu, they were sitting in front of the Prophet And remember this is the ninth year after Hijrah. And this is when people were coming in groups and groups into Medina accepting Islam. إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجَ فوج upon فوج of people were coming into Medina accepting Islam. The year of delegations. Right? So, a particular delegation had come. The waft of Banu Tamim, the tribe of Banu Tamim, they had come to Medina. And remember that when a tribe would come or a delegation would come, and the Prophet ﷺ would teach them different things about the religion. He would also appoint someone amongst them as a leader. So there was a discussion amongst Abu Bakr and Umar as to who should be appointed as the leader of this particular waft. Now the Prophet ﷺ is there. Abu Bakr and Umar are discussing amongst themselves. So one of them suggested that Aqra' bin Habis, he should be the leader. All right? And the other one suggested somebody else. So Abu Bakr anhu, he said to Umar anhu, you just wanted to contradict me. I said so and so should be appointed as a leader, and you're saying somebody else, you're just contradicting me for the sake of contradicting me. Alright? You just wanted to say something that was different from what I said. 
And Umar anhu said, no, no, no. I did not intend to contradict you. And in this back and forth, their voices became loud. And who were they sitting in front of? The Prophet wasallam. So Allah revealed this ayah. That, O oh, you who believe, لَا تَرْفَعُوا أَصْوَاتَكُمْ فَوْقَ صَوْتِ النَّبِيِّ Don't even raise your voice in the presence of Rasulullah wasallam. Speak to him in terms of respect, honor, and calmness. وَلَا تَجْهَرُوا And do not be loud. لَهُ to him. So firstly, amongst yourselves, don't be loud in his presence. And secondly, when you're talking to him, again, don't be loud over there. لَا تَجْهَرُوا جَهَرُ جِيمْ What does جَهَر mean? To be loud. And loud, جَهَر doesn't necessarily mean yell. Okay? جَهَر is the opposite of سِر. سِر is to whisper, to be secretive. And جَهَر is to let it out loud so that it can be heard, it can be seen. Okay? And جَهَر also applies to being loud as in to yell. Okay? So, two meanings of جَهَر. Okay? One is to say something in a way that it can be heard. Opposite of whisper. Like talking in a normal voice. The second meaning of جَهَر is to be loud, as in to scream, to raise one's voice, to yell. Allah says, لَا تَجْهَرُوا لَهُ Do not be loud to him بِالْقَوْلِ In the speech, meaning when you're talking to him, don't be loud كَجَهْرِ Like loudness of بَعْضِكُمْ Of some of you لِبَعْضٍ to others. Meaning, don't talk to him like you talk to each other. Don't address him in the way that you address each other. Two things are being forbidden over here. Firstly, don't raise your voice in his presence. لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي. Now of course this was in his lifetime. Right? Remember the situation in which Abu Bakr anhu, Umar anhu raised their voices? This is forbidden. What about after the Prophet ﷺ's death? How can we observe this today? Two ways. Firstly, in a gathering where the Prophet ﷺ is being mentioned, where his words are being studied, his hadith is being narrated, his seerah is being studied, then show respect over there. Do not raise your voices in a gathering like that. No matter how much ikhtilaf you have, no matter how upset you may be, maintain respect. Secondly, when you go to visit his masjid, again, don't be loud over there. And we see this in the way of the companions. We learned that once two people were sitting in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. So this particular tabi'i, he said that I was sitting in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ and somebody threw a small pebble at me. Remember that the floor was not carpeted. Okay, It was sand, it was gravel on the floor, on the ground. So somebody threw a small pebble at me. I looked back, he said it was Umar radiallahu anhu. So he said, I went to him, he called me. So why did he throw that pebble? To get his attention. All right. Now we might think that's very rude, it could hurt, but this is something normal. Right? In a society like that, even today when you're sitting and there's 
different things that you, even a piece of paper, don't you throw it gently towards somebody to get their attention, right? Without letting other people know. So anyway, he called him. He went to Umar who He said, go get those two guys. Go bring those two people. So he went and he brought two individuals to Umar anhu. Umar anhu asked them, where are you from? They said, Ta'if. He said, okay, I'll let you go this time. Because you are visitors and you don't know the respect that you should be showing in this masjid. You were being loud. And had you been from the city of Medina, I would have punished you. I would have punished you for being loud in Masjidun Nabawi. But I'm letting you go because you're visitors and you don't know the proper etiquette. Umar anhu was going to punish those people because they were being loud in the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What does that teach us? When we go to Masjidun Nabawi, then no matter how emotional we are feeling, and no matter how eager we are to squeeze in through the women's, you know, through those doors which are open for a very brief period of time for women, and no matter how much we are running or, or whatever, maintain respect. Maintain respect. It's unfortunate. It is sad. How much fighting goes on amongst women during that time when women are allowed to enter the rawda? It is upsetting. It's shocking. You don't know what's going on. You wonder, are you in a masjid? In the masjid of the Prophet Or are you at some random mall somewhere in the world? Sad. I remember once I was going and I just stood there shocked in disbelief. I couldn't believe it. How women are running, their hijabs are flying off. They're pulling off each other's abayas, trying to get into the rawda. And as they go in, screaming and crying and wailing and making noise. Imagine if Umar who saw them. What would he do? So in the lifetime of the Prophet wasallam, what does this mean? Maintain respect in the masjid of the Prophet wasallam. Don't raise your voice. The second thing that we are being forbidden from is لا تجهروا له بالقول كجهر بعضكم لبعض. Do not address the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam as you address one another. Meaning, in his presence, when you're talking to him, watch your language, watch your manner, watch your speech in the way that you talk to him. So, firstly, what this means is, don't talk to him like you talk to any random person. How do you talk to average people? You know. In a casual way. Right? Whatever, casual language, casual body language. Don't do that with the Prophet ﷺ. He is the messenger of Allah. He is your leader. Watch your words. Be careful about how you deal with him. Secondly, what this means is, don't address him by name. Don't speak to him as you speak to other people. Don't do jahar to him as you do jahar to each other. You see, when you're trying to get somebody's attention, you call them by name. Isn't it? You call them by name. Hey, so and so. You say their name. But the sahaba were forbidden from addressing the Prophet ﷺ by name. They couldn't say, Ya Muhammad. No. They weren't allowed to say that. What would they say? Ya Rasulullah. O Messenger of Allah ﷺ. You see, in the Quran, the name of the Prophet ﷺ is mentioned. But he's never addressed by name. 
it's never said, Ya Muhammad, such and such. When the Prophet ﷺ is addressed, how is he addressed? Ya ayyuhal nabi. Isn't it? Ya ayyuhal muddathir. Isn't it? He's not addressed by name. He's addressed with his title. And this should teach us. Of course, this was for the Sahaba, that when they were to talk to the Prophet ﷺ, they weren't supposed to say, O Muhammad ﷺ. They were supposed to address him by his title. Ya ayyuhan nabi. In Surah An-Nur, Ayah 63, Allah says, لَا تَجْعَلُوا دُعَاءَ الرَّسُولِ بَيْنَكُمْ كَدُعَاءِ بَعْضِكُمْ بَعْضًا And one of the interpretations of that is also that do not call him like you call each other. And then of course, the message of this ayah is lower your voice in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Out of respect. This is similar to how when the Qur'an is recited, what are we taught? وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا So even when it comes to the Messenger of Allah wasallam, what are you supposed to do? Lower your voice. Did you want to say something? So when the Sahaba and like the daughters, even Fatima, they would want to report a hadith, they wouldn't say, my dad said this. They would say, Qadr or, yeah, or sometimes the companions would say that my beloved, right? he said this. They would narrate a hadith about him, not mentioning his name, but mentioning his title, describing him in the most respectful way, in the most respectful manner. Assalamu alaikum. If you notice, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us something that we should definitely be teaching like our kids as well, that uh, it's better to be respectful and humble and quiet in the presence of your elders, those who know more than you, those who are your leaders, those who you're following. And it's very opposite nowadays where it's like, oh, when you want your opinion heard, you have to be loud. You know, it's good to be confident. It's good to be this. And these are all things that are required. But the basic etiquette in terms of dealing with others, in terms of listening, in terms of just following, those aren't taught anymore. Jazakallah yes. And what this teaches us is that when we are also talking about the Prophet wasallam then two things we must remember. Firstly, don't just say, Muhammad said this. No. No. This is not respectful. Even if you are speaking to a non-Muslim audience, don't forget to say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Peace be upon him. Alright? No matter how awkward it may be, still say it. Alright? And secondly, Mention his name with his title as much as possible. Alright? So saying Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the messenger of God, or the Prophet, you know, say his title. And also, don't forget to say sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Alright? Why? Because if you don't show proper respect to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what's the danger? Allah says, أَن تَحْبَطَ أَعْمَالُكُمْ Lest your deeds are wasted. وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَشْعُرُونَ And you don't even realize. Why would your good deeds be wasted? Why? Because of your disrespect to the Prophet ﷺ. What do we see over here? What is extremely important? Respect. Respect for who? Allah and His Messenger. Remember that Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhum, they were not intending 
to be disrespectful to the Prophet ﷺ. Isn't it? Were they doing it because they didn't care about the Prophet ﷺ? Not at all. This was unintentional. Yet, they are warned, أَن تَحْبَطَ أَعْمَالُكُمْ Be very careful. This unintentional display of disrespect can also nullify your deeds. In hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, that verily a person might utter a word that pleases Allah the Exalted, even though the person does not recognize the significance of that word. Meaning he says it, but that word pleases Allah, that statement pleases Allah, and the person didn't even realize it was such a big deal. But because of that statement, he is admitted into Jannah. And a person might utter a word carelessly that angers Allah. And because of that statement, he is thrown in the fire. Why? Because of that bad statement. Even though it was unintentional. Meaning he didn't say it in order to anger Allah. You understand? He didn't say it in order to anger Allah. That was not his objective. I want to make Allah angry. This is why I want to say this. No. He said it without thinking about it. That this could anger my Lord. But he said it anyway. And because of that word, he is thrown in hellfire. And a similar concept is being mentioned over here. Watch your conduct with the Messenger wasallam. your behavior towards him, your attitude towards him. Because if you don't have proper conduct, this could nullify your deeds and you wouldn't even know. Let's listen to the recitation. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu la tuqaddimu bayna yadayillahi wa rasoolihi wattaqullah. Inna allaha sami'un alim. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu la tarfa'u أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي ولا تجهروا له بالقول ولا تجهروا له بالقول كجهر بعضكم لبعض أن تحبط أعمالكم وأنتم لا تشعرون